here we go. Pumpkin spices in the air for some of you as the seasons begin to change. And that's what I want to talk about in this next podcast um, is seasons of change. We are getting ready to <clears throat> roll out of Virginia Beach for Florida in a couple of days. And I figured I'd better get one done before we take off. Still coming to you uh, live from the Wonder Bus, the RV. Um, and I got up this morning and I, I did some reading, some devotions. I read in Psalm 92. I'll share the whole scripture in a minute about, you know, even when we get old and gray, we should be bearing fruit. Then I flipped open my Kindle on my phone. I try to read something kind of inspirational. I got a lot of books on there. Went back and looked at my highlights in a book called Marketing Like Jesus. And it asked some really good questions like who are you trying to reach and what, are you, what benefit um, are you trying to offer people? And it made me go look at, at the analytics of this podcast, um, like who's listening. And this thing, I think, well, I don't know, well, over two years at least, uh, I've been doing this podcast. And uh, in the beginning, there was a pretty wide spread of who was listening. But now... Uh, the overall since we started doing it since i started doing it i guess which has probably been about three years um 80 are male and 90 percent are between the ages of 35 and 44. Uh, in a way this comes as no surprise uh, to me um, at first things were like i said they were spread out but then it just began to kind of narrow and over the past 90 days 94 percent uh, of the listeners of this podcast are between the ages of 35 and 44. I know some of you are younger and some of you are older, but it was it, it comes as no surprise because this uh, podcast, at least my intention, is to kind of inspire folks to dream and take steps. And I know I get a little theological sometimes, but you know, finding our purpose and that kind of thing. Years ago, I read. Um, a book called Life on the Edge, which is coincidentally where I come up with the term Life on the Verge, I guess. Um, years ago, we named our youth group Verge, and then I started using Life on the Verge as a phrase. And Life on the Verge, Verge stood for victorious over sin, equipped to serve, radical in worship, godly in lifestyle, and evangelistic in purpose. That was kind of the philosophy of our youth ministry. And then when we left uh, the Verge, which is still called the Verge, by the way, that particular youth group, um, I don't know, I just kind of stuck with that as the name of our ministry. Don't lean on that acrostic a lot, but it's always in the back of my mind. That's what we're trying to do. Um, but I read the book Life on the Edge by James Dobson, uh, and he that was a book that was aimed at what he called the critical decade between the ages of 16 and 26. You know, he made the point that it's in that decade that young people choose, am I going to have sex before marriage? Am I going to use drugs? Am I going to drink heavy? Am I going to get married? Am I going to go to college? Um, what career path am I going to take? Am I going to go into debt? Am I going to buy a house? Am I going to use credit cards? Am I going to go into debt for a car? Right? That And that's true. Um, you know, you might even back up from age 16 nowadays. Um, I used to tell young people all the time, man, protect your driving record, protect your arrest record, don't get things on it, and watch out for debt. Those three things you can screw up pretty bad between the ages of 16 and 26, and it'll affect the rest of your life. While I agree with that, I, that you know, the idea that that's a critical decade, I don't think it's the only critical decade. I think there are other seasons of life where we make critical decisions. Don't you? 
and I think between the ages of 35 and 44, our listening, our primary listening audience, we can make some very big decisions as well. Um, you know, it was in that particular time frame, uh, actually a couple of years before I turned 35, that I began to realize that perhaps I've buried my deepest dreams, you know, because I had to make a living. I enjoyed my job. I was making decent money, but there was a sense that maybe I missed my calling. Now, that might not be the case for you. Maybe you're walking perfectly in your calling, but you can see there's going to be a change in seasons. Your kids are going to move out of the house. Your kids are older now. They don't require as much attention. Maybe some of you have kids that are getting their first job. You know, my oldest daughter, uh, my oldest grandson just turned 15, or he turns 15 in October. He would—he started high school this year. Man, that happened so fast. Um, but you see a transition coming, but you're not sure how to make this change, how to navigate this change. Maybe you see no way to make a change. Maybe you've got a dream in your heart like I did, and it just seems so impractical. You know, you've got mouths to feed, a mortgage to pay, you know, um, so you just keep up the daily grind. And I was kind of in that that place as a, a police officer. I, I loved what I did to a degree, but I wanted to do more. And I really, I was, I just couldn't see how to do it, you know. And then there were, even after I made the transition from uh, police work into full-time ministry at 32 years old, I saw another transition. You know, I'd been a youth pastor and a young adult pastor, and I loved all that, but I felt like, you know, I'm hitting my head on the ceiling here. You know, I don't do good with stagnation, and I felt like I was starting to stagnate. I wasn't moving forward, and I knew you know, there was a dream in my heart, but I was about, I tell you guys, I've probably said this before, I was about to sell off all of my music gear except for a couple of my cherished guitars. I saw no point in all this gear that I had. Um, there had been a dream in my heart to, to do what we're doing today, to, as a matter of fact. I didn't have definition. I didn't know where how to get there. And I just thought, well, maybe the next, the next goal is to plant a church and be a senior pastor. And then I've told the story about Jimmy Bratcher came to our church and I saw him and what he was doing, which is very close to what we do today. That was all the way back in 2005 or six. And man, it just rocked my world. It, it made me press pause on a church plant we were going to take off with. I bought his book, Don't Take Your Dreams to the Grave. And boy, oh boy, did it mess me up in a good way. It made me dig a little deeper and, and it was a scary thing because it was like, why do I even want to think about this? Why do I want to dream about this? It's so impractical. You know, I, I, I don't see any way this could ever come to pass. But I did continue to take little baby steps and, and do what I could where I was and, and trust that God would get me where he needed to be. And, and there were certain things that I did through all of these transitions, these changes of seasons where you feel like, you know, I'm supposed to continue to bear fruit. It tells us in Psalm 92, verse 12, the, this was my devotion this morning, as a matter of fact, verse 12 through 15, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. In old age, they will still bear fruit. Healthy and green, they will remain to proclaim the Lord is upright he is my rock, and in him there is no unrighteousness. 
Verse 14, in old age, they will still bear fruit, healthy and green. They will remain. There is a, for you guys that are even older and maybe you're reaching that age where you're going to retire or semi-retire, there's a huge danger of retiring without a dream, retiring without a purpose, something to pursue. Recently, I had a, uh, he wasn't a close friend, but he was a police officer that I worked with. Um, he passed away, and I, I think he was probably only early to mid-60s. He was pretty active on social media. I don't, I don't know if he was a believer or not, but um, yeah, I'm part of a police alumni page where a lot of us old-timers get on there and gripe about politics and all that. I don't, but I watch those guys. You know, cops see a lot of negativity in life, and they can get a really negative perspective. Uh, and this particular guy was mostly negative in a lot of what he had to say. But what I noted was that long before he died, after he retired, he had a massive amount of health problems. He was constantly in the hospital. And eventually, a series of things, I'm not even sure what eventually took his life, um, but he didn't last long after retirement. And recently, his daughter posted something that uh, her father had said to him, her before he passed away. He said, use it or lose it. I failed to use it, and now I'm losing it. And he was talking about his energy. He was talking about, you know, I retired without purpose. I didn't, I just kind of sat around. He probably sat around and drank beer and watched TV and played on the internet and maybe piddled around the house, but he didn't have something that gave him life, a dream. There's a real danger in not believing in a new season. And we we as Christians, we can know that, that, that God, is. if we're still breathing, God still has a purpose for our lives. And the season that we're coming up on, the, the change, every season of our life is going to have a purpose. If we'll seek Him, He created us. He created works in advance for us to do. It says in Ephesians 2.10, one of my favorite um, passages, you know, is that we're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which he prepared in advance for us to do. So there's always something God has for us to do in each season. Trying to discover that, listen, it's a journey and it causes us to seek God. You know, life on the verge is in a transition right now. It's long been my desire to have a stable band and team to work with us. We've worked with dozens, probably hundreds of volunteers, leading missions teams, involving other musicians, but we've never had like a stable core team, a band that knows our music, folks that have the right heart, the right skills, and they're available, which is a big one. Uh, it, it seems like an impossible dreams, uh, uh, dream at times. You know, I, I've written dozens of prayers in my journals uh, uh, over this particular thing, and you know, Lord, send us people. As a church planter, Finding volunteers was so much easier because I met with the same group of people on a regular basis. Finding financial givers was so much easier. But we are an itinerant ministry. We're constantly moving. Who has that kind of availability? You know, I've, I've thought it's, it's brought me to the point sometimes I've been like, Lord, just let me retire or semi-retire. I'll stay active. I'll stay busy. You know, I'll, I'll do productive work. I'm just being honest here, you know. But there has to be a transition coming, or I'm, I'm going to stagnate, and I, I can't deal with that. 
And and I realize scripture tells us in Hebrews 10:38, but my righteous ones live by faith, and I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. We it was sometimes we think we can be tempted to think, man, if I could just lay on a beach in Maui and sip my ties for the rest of my life. No, you don't want that. We will die. We will wither. We will stagnate. And so as we've been praying and talking, and mostly me, um, about the next phase of life on the verge, there's been little seeds of potential, you know, kind of spouting, sprouting here and there over the past couple of years, but a lot of doubt, you know. I've got one friend, uh, his name is Michael Trailer, and he is he is retired, but he is a an expert. He's probably the most professional drummer I've ever played with. Well, he is the most professional drummer I've ever played with. He uh, he was Tommy Two Tones regular drummer. Remember eight six seven five three zero nine. But he also toured with Don Henley. Um, he was featured in a number of publications, Drummer Magazine, and things like that. He's an incredible drummer. He was a session drummer in L.A. and Nashville. Uh, I met him along life's journey. He's down in the Florida Panhandle where we do a lot of work. We work all over the Florida, and we hope to do some work in Texas and Ohio and Washington State and Montana in the coming years. Um, part of me gets exhausted thinking about that, but Michael is—he brings the skills and he brings the availability. <coughs> excuse me, and he sure has the heart. He's a strong believer and he's got something to say. But that's just a drummer. He's there. One of the hardest things to find is a bass player. Oh well, let me back up a minute because uh, not long ago, a young man named Brian Elder, who I when I was a deputy. In Gloucester High School in the early 90s, probably about 1993, I saw this long-haired kid, high school student with a guitar in the cafeteria, just kind of plucking around on his guitar. Well, that, well I, I just, man, even though I was the cop, I was like, that's my thing, man. That's my, that's my jam. So I walked over and we started exchanging licks and talking about music and I invited him to youth group, which was a large, a big reason why I took that job in the first place was to kind of create a bridge for young people to come to our youth group. And uh, sure enough, he came out for a while, and then I really don't know what happened to him. I, I, you know, I left, and, and I don't remember if he continued to come or not. I don't remember having any deep discussions with him. Coincidentally, he does um, now, now because about, I don't know, it could have been five years ago. It could have been three years ago. We found each other on Facebook. I discovered that he had been making a living as an actor in, in Texas and acting in films and things like that and working with a film company and uh but i didn't know if he was serving the lord i didn't know anything about his faith life and then a couple of years ago maybe only a year ago he posted a worship song him playing guitar and and singing a worship song and talking about his recommitment to christ and i was like, kind of blown away and part of me went hmm whenever i see that i'm like i wonder maybe one day and i'm not even sure how it happened this year we didn't really communicate at all, but I saw that he had moved from Texas back to Virginia and had taken a gig uh, at one of the shows at Bush Gardens in Williamsburg uh, where he was playing music and acting in one of these big shows. And it was coming up on the end of the season. And I thought, you know, we were anticipating maybe 2023 we'll see a change in seasons. We'll try to network some musicians. We'll see what we can do. And... Uh, you know, I sent a message to him, and he was like, well, if you got anything going on in September or October, I'm available. And I was like, oh, maybe. Uh, and then there was another young person that took a uh, missions trip with us probably four years ago. 
And we've talked a few times over the years, and he began to press me like, hey, if you got anything going on, I'm available. I'm in between jobs kind of thing. You know, it doesn't have a lot. Neither one of these guys are married. They don't have a lot of obligations. And I thought, well, uh, okay, maybe. Now, yeah, here's the deal. We're not asking for people to patronize our ministry and just come along and be a volunteer and, uh, you know, not feel the weight of you're hired to do this job, do it well. So it was my intention that we're going, a workman is worth his wage, the Bible says that, is to in some way compensate these guys, at least their expenses, but really put a little money in their pocket. That's biblical, you know, not just... Um, use them for for what we want but make it a win-win for everybody and so i thought well okay we got a now we've got a, maybe three people well michael trailers had a lot of health problems over the years um but he is apparently in a in a great season of recovery and i checked with him and he was available to do like 10 prison gigs in a row just about i think we got a couple of days off in between at the end of this month and the beginning of october and i said well okay but I don't have a bass player. Both the other guys play guitar. They're songwriters and that kind of thing. And bass players are hard to come by. Good bass players. And uh, all of a sudden, this young man named Jesse Wood popped into my mind. And uh, Jesse, hold on, I'll turn that AC off. Jesse's a young man I met probably a dozen years ago. He showed up at our church plant. You know, We'd gone to work for Wave Church to plant a church for them in this transition time. Uh, when we left our youth pastor job, we weren't going to plant a church. I read Jimmy Bratcher's book. My, my life was turned upside down. And uh, we felt comfortable planting a church for a bigger church because if God did, we, now we plan to stay there forever. I'll get to that in a minute. But um, if God did lead us to leave, we wouldn't leave a baby on the sidewalk, so to speak. We wouldn't start a church and then say five years later, hey, we're out of here. Uh, we didn't want to do that. So it was kind of a win-win, but we were scrambling for help, and all of a sudden this, this boy named Jesse shows up to play bass for us. He had driven all the way from Virginia Beach to Richmond, which is about two hours, to play bass guitar for us. And somebody else in, in our little makeshift band had met him and invited him, and it turned out he was a killer bass player, which was awesome, but I didn't know the guy. I got to know him and I found out he was a, a really awesome young man and he commuted from Richmond to Virginia Beach for months on his own dime to play bass for us and I thought man that is a wonderful heart he just had a great great heart and eventually God rewarded that he became the primary bass player for the primary band of this mega church in Virginia Beach he actually became the musical director he's a phenomenal bass player well he popped into my mind and I reached out to him and sure enough, he was available for not all, but most of what we have coming up at the end of September. And I said, well, this is going to take a new level of risk. But let's see if we can get all these guys approved and get all these guys out and see what happens. And I don't know, maybe this is the seeds of what could become a core team that, that, that does a lot with us. You know, we'll still do a lot with just Susan and I, but, you know, we're free to do that. What's our primary calling? But we can do tours every year with a group of people that know our music, they have the skills, and they have the heart. Wouldn't that be awesome? So we're kind of navigating a season of change as well. Uh, coincidentally, that's gonna, this is going to cost us about $5,000 because we're going to, if they turn out to be the team that works with us on, 
works with us on a regular basis. We're going to equip them more to raise funds and on their own end. And they are doing that to some degree now, but they don't have much time. And so we, we've committed to cover their expenses and put a little money in their pocket for doing this. And our budget's 5000 bucks to do this. But I believe it's, it could be an incredible investment. And, uh, you know, if you can give to it, praise God. You know, it's going to hit us fairly hard, pretty expensive deal for us to do this. But we feel by faith. We're navigating a season of change. Now, get off that. This isn't a fundraising podcast. I'm just saying that's where we're at. We're actually in this, taking a new step to fulfill the vision of Life on the Verge, which is to entertain the crowd, edify the church, evangelize the lost. And not long ago, I was in prayer, and I felt like the Lord spoke, there's another level, and that is to equip the ministry. And that's what we're doing with these new guys, is we're equipping them to do ministry with their skills and their abilities. We're opening doors for them. We're excited because most of these guys are younger. They're in their 20s, 30s, and 40s. Uh, we got a young evangelist coming out this time from South Carolina. He's in his early 30s we're 98 percent of the people that we work with that we've networked with over the years doing this kind of work have been older than us we're the youngsters and we're 59 years old okay so we're excited all right so i read a quote this morning that really inspired me and i think it's relevant to all of us it's by john quincy adams he said if your actions inspire others to dream more, learn more, do more, and become more, you are a leader. And that is the bigger picture of who I feel like God has called me to be, called Life on the Verge to be. Many people would label us as a prison ministry, but I kind of reject that label and say, no, we're an inspirational ministry. We aim to inspire people um, to dream bigger, to take bigger steps, and it just happens to be that some of the people that are most desperate for inspiration are in prison. They feel like they've blown it. Can you imagine if you were in prison for life? Talk about feeling a loss of purpose, but you, you've got to learn to walk out your calling no matter what your constraints are. And, and I believe that all of us to some degree are leaders as Christians. We should be inspiring others to dream more, learn more, do more, and become more. The first others should be our own children, if you have children, that they see your life, that you're leading the way and causing them to trust God more, to dream more, to learn more, to do more. And that requires stepping into new seasons. Proverbs 13, 22 says, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the sinner's wealth is laid up for the righteous. Well, Susan and I know, and our kids know, that we have already given our kids an inheritance worth far more than money. We've given them a legacy of faith. They've watched us take huge steps of faith and God come through. Now, let me tell you, there was I'm not boasting in myself because there was always plenty of anger and frustration and confusion and uncertainty all mixed in that. But somehow, some way, uh, you know, we, we took the step or the steps and seen God bring breakthrough. Our son, Matt, and the uh, success he's celebrating as a professional musician is an example of that. Um, you know, he he wrote his first, some of his first and most successful songs, sleeping in his car on a tour. You know, he tells the story of one of his songs that, you know, he was driving around in his car cross country doing these little gigs when he, the door first opened for him to do that stuff and he crawled up on the roof of an abandoned ben, Wendy's uh, restaurant and wrote 
one of his most successful songs. You know, he's seen uh, his parents, you know, live in a camper full time, a beat up old nasty camper. He's seen us take steps, not knowing exactly how it was going to work out, but knowing that God was leading us. So what do you do if you find yourself sensing a new phase, a new season of life coming? Now, we're all different. Many of you are far more pragmatic than me. Some of you can be far more strategic than we've been. But here's a few things that I think will help you navigate a change of seasons well. You know, looking back, here's a few things in spite of the frustration, the anger, the confusion, the doubt, the uncertainty. Listen, all those things need to be present, by the way. You know, in Luke chapter 5, I encourage you to read that story. It really spoke to me about, you know, Peter, had, they'd fished all night and caught no fish, and they brought their boats in, and they were washing their nets, and then Jesus crawls up in their boat and preaches a sermon, so they got to sit through a church service, and then Jesus tells them to go back out. Now, they had frustration, anger, confusion, uncertainty, all those things that Peter said, Master, we fished all night and caught nothing. He, he said, go back out. And Peter said, nevertheless, because you say, say, we'll do it. And they went one more step, and a miracle happened. So if you're not experiencing that, you know, I question whether you're walking in the right direction. There should be some frustration and some anger. You you have a dream, you start to uncover that dream or a, a new phase of what you think you want to do, you feel called to do. You know, God leads by our desires if our ultimate goal is to bring glory to Him. He gives us certain skills and abilities and opportunities and you start putting those pieces together and you're like, yeah, I'm gonna go do this. Even if you're not a Christian, you're trying to launch a new business, you're going to face those things. But we got to keep moving. So here's a few things that I feel like we did and we still do. Um, and, and and listen, there's so much uh, uncertainty mixed in here sometimes. But this is a few things that, that we, we try to do. One is define the win the best that we can. Okay, what does the dream fulfilled look like in your mind? Can you articulate it? That is not easy to do. I've talked about, you know, doing a little chart, asking yourself, what do I want to have in life? You know, where do I want to go or, or what do I want to do in life? Who do I want to be in life? Man, that, that's what do I want to have? You know, the things I, I'd like to have. Things are negotiable, though, because you don't want to have things but be doing something that doesn't bring fulfillment and purpose to your life. And, and then who do I want to be? You don't want to compromise your character to do something, to have things. People do that all the time and their life crashes and burns. So that's not an easy thing to define the win. What do you want? So many people ask the question, I'm still trying to, or they say things like, I'm still trying to figure out what I want to be when I grow up. They ask that question when they're 70 years old. Well, I mean, it's kind of a valid question. What do I want to be? What's the next thing I want to do? What's the next step I want to take? Nobody's going to define it. Well, yes, somebody will define it for you. Because if you don't have a vision for your life, somebody else does. But God gives you permission to dream. So define the win the best that you can. It doesn't mean that it's going to come to pass the way that you want it to come to pass. Um, but God will be faithful and he'll use all of your labor and your effort by faith to do that, to lead you where he wants you to be. We can't sit still and expect God to lead. I know the scripture says, be still and know that I'm God. There are seasons for that, okay? But in most cases, we're going to have to start moving by faith in a direction, concluding the best that we can, 
that this is what I feel like. If you could do anything, if money were no object, if all the doors opened, what would you do? A second thing is we continue to give ourselves fully to the task at hand. So you can't like go, well, I've got a dream to go do something else, so I'm just going to treat the thing that God's given me to do today, um, you know, like it's not important. So that was true in every phase. When I was a cop and I felt called to full-time ministry, I knew that I could not compromise what I was doing. That's that's a that's the who I want to be in life. I don't want to be that guy that gets labeled a short timer and treat even to my last day. You know, I want I want to do well. What you know, even now. You know, if maybe this team were taken out, it'll be a flop. I don't know. We're going to keep doing what God has given us the opportunity to do until he gives clarity and opens doors and brings the right people. Another thing is we continue to feed our faith regularly, um, listening to voices that will help us make better choices. One of the biggest prayers we can pray is, God, give me wisdom. Help me use the knowledge that, that I have and put that knowledge to work in the best way. Well, first, you've got to acquire the knowledge. So listening to podcasts, reading books, going to church, listening to sermons, you know, kind of uh, just just engrossing yourself um, in things that will build your faith, feed your faith. And then another thing is continue to exercise your faith. I like to say we bite off more than we can chew and then we chew like crazy. You know, if, if you already know that everything can be done with the money in your hand, that you all the dots, all the blocks are checked, and and you could do it all without God, then there's no faith involved there. You, you you've got to take a step that way. I may crash and burn on this. You know, I did a whole series on the risk of art and how so many people sit in their bedroom with their guitars and they never get out or their music or whatever their art is, their writing. They never put it out there for public consumption and maybe even ridicule. They never take the risk. They never exercise their faith. This podcast is part of that. I think, like I said, I've been doing it almost maybe three years and and uh, don't have a massive listening audience, but we I keep doing it by faith, saying, well, God gave me a heart to do this. I enjoy doing it. I know it helps a few people from time to time, and, and so I'm going to keep doing it. It's an exercise of my faith. Another thing I do is uh, I journal faithfully. Now, I know that's a, you know, some of you, oh, I journaled two years ago and haven't wrote in it since. Well, write in it today. Uh, a journal is a, is a record for your kids to read if it survives, you know, uh, but for you to read, to go back. You know, and journaling you know, can be in a notebook or, you know, whatever kind of book you want to use. But I can look in my Bibles. I buy note-taking Bibles that have places in the margins where you can write notes. I write prayers in the front of my Bible. And I look back and I see how God met us, how he brought us through, you know, uh, and it builds my faith. And then the last thing, and I know this isn't, I need to do this again soon. Um, and, and if you're married, your spouse is half of this equation, by the way, is uh, a prayer and fasting sabbatical. You know, even if it's only a, a weekend or a couple of days, if it can be longer, great. But a time where we kind of get away and we focus on each other and we talk about our dreams and we pray individually and then we pray together. Lord, will you lead us? Will you help us navigate this next season and uh, have the faith we need to have just to take the next step? That's all you got to do, right, is take the next step. Maybe not even knowing where you're going. That's what Abraham did. And so this is kind of, 
you know, just where my my head and my heart is today. And over the next couple of uh, episodes, I'll I'll try I'm, I'll be giving more thought to it myself about navigating this new season of change. And and you can walk with me through it. This this new season we're going through, bringing these new people in. What's going to come of it? I don't know. It's a step of faith. Will will God provide the funds? I mean. That's part of the way that I believe God confirms our steps as a ministry is that he moves on the hearts of people miraculously to help us do what we do. And then we have a sense of, you know what, I think we're tracking. I think we're tracking. (laughs) So anyway, I hope this helped. And uh, we'll be back with you with a second episode of Navigating the Seasons of Change. Bless you. Have a great weekend and week. Sometimes falling angels fly I want to remind you that Life on the Verge is a completely donor-funded ministry. You can learn more about our ministry at lifeontheverge.com. We appreciate your prayers and gifts of support to keep us on the road and in prison.